The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Stocks trying to avoid a three-day losing streak as the Dow braces for its ninth down week in the last 10. Right now, futures are mixed. Not helping matters much, mixed messages from J.P. Morgan as the bank's top equity strategist contradicts a grim outlook from his chairman and CEO. We've got those comments coming up ahead. A big day for energy as well with the key OPEC meeting coming on deck. This amid reports President Biden will do some face-to-face Mideast negotiations. Plus, Mark Zuckerberg is losing his number two at Meta Platforms as Sheryl Sandberg announces her departure from the social media giant. And then later on, we highlight one stock bucking those inflation headwinds, and it's surging right now in the pre-market. It's Thursday, June 2nd, 2022, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to the show. I'm Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan this morning. Let's kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money. Right now, stock futures are pointing to some modest moves at the opening bell. Now, you can see the Dow Jones is implied higher by just around 90 points. The S&P up by about 16 and the Nasdaq up by 72. So some positivity, but of course, modest at that. This is after stocks pulled back in some choppy trading yesterday on worries about the health of the U.S. economy and worrying comments from J.P. Morgan Chase Chairman and CEO Jamie Dimon. Now, he said, quote, a hurricane is down the road and coming our way. Also checking right now on the bond market yields, you can see now yields are ticking slightly higher, or right now slightly lower, actually. 2.92% the trade on the 10-year Treasury note yield. The 2-year note yield is is, is ticking higher, 2.66% the last trade there. Now, in the oil market, crude is pulling back a bit this morning as investors digest a number of headlines around OPEC and U.S. gasoline prices. Stay tuned for details on that in just a moment. But for right now, WTI crude is $113.03. World benchmark ice Brent crude futures down about $2.5, 2% downside, $113.85. So, again, some movement there. And in the cryptocurrency side of things, we are seeing Bitcoin and Ether prices on the move albeit modestly. The Bitcoin price right now is about 29936 so now again below that 30000 mark. Ether price is up about one-tenth of 1%, $1,823 or thereabouts. But first up here, let's check out the early trade overseas. Juliana Tattlebaum is in our London newsroom with the latest there. Good Jubilee morning, Juliana. 
Oh, Dom, good Jubilee morning to you as well. There's definitely a lot of excitement in the air here in London. UK markets are closed today for the Queen's Jubilee, but outside of the UK, markets are trading and they're trading higher. We've got green across the board in Europe. The CAC 40 over in France outperforming this morning. We're up about 1%. One of the um, big performers there, Saint-Gobain, the construction company, performing very well this morning. The DAX also catching a bit, up about 0.7%. So I'm um, pairing back the losses that we've seen over the last couple of days. The stock 600, the main benchmark, pulled back about 1% yesterday, its second negative day in a row. There's also a lot of focus this morning on fixed income in Europe, sovereign bond yields. We've seen the 10-year German Bund yield cross into its highest level since July 2014. Right now, we're trading around 1.208%, so yields moving higher, not only in Germany, but elsewhere in Europe as well. The 10-year BTP, the Italian bond yield, that's trading around 3.23%. We were below 3% um, just um, weeks ago, so bond yields have been moving higher here in this is as investors brace for the European Central Bank to begin raising interest rates in July and then likely again in September. So it feels as though we're almost in the same place that the U.S. was a few months back. A lot more momentum building around the idea of interest rates rising here in Europe. Dom, we'll hand it back over to you. All right, Juliana Tannelbaum live in London with the latest. I hope you get to enjoy this Jubilee holiday. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Let's get to some of this morning's top stories as well. Savannah Hanau is here with those. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Dom. Good morning. Yeah. And as you mentioned just moments ago, big moves in the price of oil this morning. WTI dropping nearly 2 percent on reports. Saudi Arabia is telling Western allies it is prepared to raise production should Russia's oil output fall substantially due to sanctions over its invasion of Ukraine. Separately, new reports this morning. President Biden is weighing a possible trip to Saudi Arabia and a face-to-face -face with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman as U.S. gasoline prices rise to their highest level on record. Baby formula maker Reckitt says it has the capacity to produce at least 21 million eight-ounce bottles of infant formula at its plants in Asia and Latin America for the U.S. if the FDA gives it the green light to do so. The announcement comes as the U.S. baby formula shortage stretches into yet another week. It also follows comments from President Biden that his administration did not understand how big an impact the shutdown of an Abbott formula plant in Michigan and subsequent recalls would have on the industry until April. Finally, Pfizer and partner BioNTech are now asking U.S. regulators to authorize three doses of their COVID-19 vaccine for children under five years old. The request to the FDA yesterday comes as the company said last month that the three doses of the shot were 80 percent effective in preventing symptomatic COVID-19 in children aged six months to five years old, Dom. All right, Silvana Hanau with those headlines. Thank you very much for that. Back to the market stories with June picking up where May left off with volatility continuing to rear its ugly head. This as concerns around the economy continue to mount and questions about the Fed's rate hike strategy fuel further uncertainty about what the road looks like ahead. For more, let's bring in Mark Avalone, president of Potomac Wealth Advisors. Mark, has what happened in Mark scared, or scared you enough to say maybe it is time to do that proverbial sell in May and just go away? Well, good morning, Dom. No, I think a lot of the damage has been done, and I think investor expectations have been somewhat moderated. This has been happening now for about over six months. So investors are getting used to this and should until there's clarity on inflation, until there's clarity from the Fed, 
on how many rate hikes we're going to need. And until we have even more earnings visibility in a slowing growth economy, I think investors should understand that volatility can be the norm for months and maybe even a year or longer. All right. So is that then you're you're a wealth advisor here, Mark. Is this volatility something that we should embrace? And if so, who should embrace it and who should not? Well, that's an excellent question because down markets create buying opportunities. Investors who have had cash on the sidelines, what's interesting, those people who didn't believe in the bull market finally have their bear and they're still cautious. But the reality is when the markets are down, that's when you should be adding and gradually adding, not all at once. Markets are a process, not a point in time. Valuations are better now. So going in slowly to names that you might have liked, sectors that have really been hit down hard like technology, the growth side of the ledger has been hammered. So if you want to be a long-term investor and buy at a discounted or better valuations, this is what this market is offering investors. So momentum is a big part of the story right now. Obviously, for the overall markets in certain key sectors, it's been to the downside for months now at this point. But when we talk about momentum, there are certain parts of the market, technology, that have had momentum for years now. I would argue maybe even a decade plus at this point. And then there are sectors of the market that are going up right now because of near-term momentum for the last maybe year or so, like oil and gas. Which is the most attractive valuation to you right now? Is it the momentum for value slash oil and gas type stocks? Or is it the momentum that we've seen longer term that's now at a discount for technology and media? Well, we're looking long term. And I think right now, when if we're facing a slower growth world, <clears throat> and I think that's where we're going, we want to be in growth names. We want technology. Look what happened last week when the Nasdaq went up 6%. The market is going to move quickly when it moves. We don't know when it is. A few good inflation prints. So we want to be ahead of the curve. And that's why we don't want to abandon growth right now, even though I know it's out of vogue. When this market turns, that's where I think the money is going to go. How scared are you, Mark, of rising interest rates? If the, if the prevailing conventional wisdom is, is going to hold true and that the path of interest rates will be higher, generally speaking, over the next several months and quarters, is it something that you feel frightened about or do valuations have room to kind of adjust and still go higher despite the fact rates maybe go higher as well? That's a great question. We think rates tick up higher, but the majority of the interest rate move has happened. Eventually, these rates are going to slow the economy and global central banks are going to lose their nerve at some point and not just keep moving the interest rate dial up. The, the Fed only controls interest rate sensitive sectors and it's going to it is going to slow down housing. It is going to slow down consumer purchases and credit, but they don't want to create a recession. And when this starts to slow down and take effect and housing falls off the charts, we're starting to see indication it is going to slow. We think that they also temper rate hikes. So we're not worried about a 4% on the 10-year. We think it stays more around 3 a little north of that, and then they level off from there. All right. Mark Avalone at Potomac Wealth Advisors. Thank you very much. Have a great day, sir. When we come back on the show, much more on President Biden's possible trip to the Middle East amid soaring gasoline prices and what investors can expect from today's big OPEC summit, plus stock implications for Meta after its longtime chief operating officer, Sheryl Sandberg, says she is stepping down from that role 
and later on, a day of celebration as Queen Elizabeth II becomes the first British royal to serve for 70 years, seven decades. You're seeing a live shot right now of some of that party getting going. You're going to go to London with the front row seat to day one of the Platinum Jubilee. Very busy hours still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. What a big party. I mean, this is, this is the big, this is day one of the Queen's Jubilee celebration. There are, from what I understand, not just a ton of people and soldiers involved, but horses and everything else. You're seeing part of that parade with the soldiers right now going down towards some of the bigger festivities out there. We're live in London. We'll be continuing to follow this particular party here. We'll show you shots throughout the course of this hour and I'm sure throughout the course of this morning, given those big festivities here. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. First up, you've got Chewy. Those shares are soaring right now as the online pet products retailer reported a surprise first quarter profit Sales rising nearly 14% as well, even as margins fell due to higher shipping and labor costs. Chewy is forecasting second quarter revenue that is mostly above analyst estimates and is sticking by its targets for the full year. As a result, that stock that has been beaten up over the course of the last year is up 17% pre-market. Stock number two is Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, HPE. The company's second quarter profits and revenues were flat from a year ago and both missed forecasts amid doubts over business spending on tech hardware. HPE says gross margins held up despite inflation and ongoing supply chain disruptions. Those shares are down 6% in the pre-market. And then stock number three is pure storage. First quarter results beating forecasts with revenues jumping 50% as demand for cloud-based storage continues to grow. The company says logistics are still very hard, but it's been navigating through some of those rough waters and cases redesigning circuit boards to address some parts shortages, but pure storage is up about 10% in the pre-market trade. But the big story this morning in tech land is the company formerly known as Facebook, Meta Platforms. Sheryl Sandberg announcing she is stepping down from her role as the chief operating officer, COO of the company, a position she's held, by the way, since joining in 2008 as Mark Zuckerberg's number two at the company. Together, they turned the social media network into an advertising giant, and at one point, a company worth north of $1 trillion. Current chief growth officer Javier Olivan will take over Sandberg's role later on this fall. 
So joining me now to discuss the implications for meta platforms going forward, which is, by the way, down more than 40 percent this year, is Rocco Strauss, Internet Equity Research Analyst and partner at Ariti Research. Now, Rocco, is this a big deal for Meta? Is this a situation where Sheryl Sandberg was such a key person in the management at Meta that her loss is going to be a setback for the company? Yeah. Hey, Dom. Thanks for having me this morning. Um, I mean, I would say in contrast to peers, I mean, you can look at like uh, Twitter CEO kind of like um, leaving the company um, very surprisingly or like Shopify's head of head of product leaving. Um, at Facebook, what you see is that this is a very long from longhand plan change. Um, and you see that there's an immediate successor in place. And with respect to kind of like what's ahead of the platform, right? Um, I mean, when you when you look at like Sandberg being focused on demand growth and, and commercial activities, she is kind of like... Um, like like Facebook is transitioning into a period where um, like the tech focus becomes um, you know becomes more into into focus again, right? Not only around um, them shifting into the metaverse um, at some point in the future, but also with respect to AR features, messenger interoperability. You think about reels and stories living across platforms, click to messaging functionalities, and a lot more. Um, this this obviously um, requires a lot more hardware infrastructure, a lot of more R and D focus. And Olivan um, is actually best positioned, given its focus on kind of a cross-platform growth initiatives for the better part of the last decade. Um, and um, you know, other than Sandberg, you know, he also doesn't have to worry about like HR and legal, which goes directly to Zuckerberg and reporting lines. Um, and I would say this is this is going to be a, like a very smooth transition for Facebook, um, and it should actually prepare the platform for what's actually ahead. Um, of them in the future. So, so, so Rocco, as you look at the Facebook story, the narrative as it's shaping up right now, they made a lot of waves, Mark Zuckerberg and co over there, about this kind of rebranding and the rebranding taking shape because of this pivot towards Web 3.0, the metaverse, that kind of next stage of what we what we experience as a society with regard to a virtual presence out there. Is this a scenario where you feel as though meta platforms can return to that big growth story that we saw in the early days with Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg? Yeah, I guess that's the, that's the $100 billion question here. Um, I mean, Sandberg is leaving during a time, you know, as I said, where Facebook is shifting more into kind of like tech, in a, into a technical um, innovation period. But she is also leaving at a time where top line upside surprises are harder to come by, right? So if you Think about like Facebook or Meta as a platform, you know, having reached peak penetration, both in time spent and user growth. Um, at the same time, you have ad loads coming down based on the transition more into longer form video, especially reels, um, while also seeing pressure, you know, on pricing from the transition into reels, you know, which is more brand focused, but also from all these, uh, from the consumer shift into more into services or travel um, versus product and e-commerce um, and so on. So it's trickier to actually kind of like generate these 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 top line surprises, and at the same time, um, you know, with shifting more into reels and that actually becoming a larger part of consumption time on the platform, um, this also sits at significantly lower margins. So we're talking about like twenty five percentage points or so lower, um, which means the platform's um, you know profitability pattern is changing irrevocably. Um, and Sandberg is likely leaving at the top of that, uh, leaving kind of like Oliver and the others uh, to actually make this change into the metaverse and into all these four major platforms interacting more closely with each other. Um, and this is going to be the task ahead of them. 
So, Rocco, I'm going to ask you a kind of an interestingly framed question, but I'm trying to get to a response from you with regard to kind of the prospects for meta platforms. Sheryl Sandberg obviously has a good amount of equity stock in meta platforms right now. Do you feel as though Sheryl Sandberg will want to keep that meta stake going forward, given what she thinks or knows about meta's future business going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think also in context of a global recession that we are in or that we're gliding into, um, I would have in mind that some of these big companies, including Facebook, um, you know, with Facebook having some $45 billion of cash on the balance sheet, while likely generating north of $15 billion of additional cash or free cash flow um, in this year, they have the resources to kind of like plow through this recession and kind of like innovate themselves out of it. Um, to come back stronger at the end of the day, right? And what we should clearly have in mind is that um, their metaverse aspirations um, is, you know, with that they're trying to set up the platform next to iOS, next to Android at the third kind of like operating system where they have more control over what's actually happening and how revenue generation is happening. Um, and I'm fairly certain with the amount of money that they're investing, they will get to something meaningful, you know, say by the mid to the end of this decade, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Sandberg actually holds on to her stake, kind of like having that in mind. All right. Really quickly, Rocco, before we let you leave, among those Fang Ang stocks, which is your favorite? I'll probably point to Google um, simply for, for them being best positioned to capture some of the TV budget shifting, some of the retail media budget shifting, um, as well as, um, you know, like search massively benefiting from that shift from products more into services, namely travel, uh, restaurants, and so on. Um, and therefore, I think into the end of this year, this is probably the best position to stock here. All right. Rocco Strauss with insights on Sheryl Sandberg and Meta Platforms. Thank you very much. Have a nice day, sir. Thank you. Still on deck for the show, Walmart facing the music ahead of its first investor day in three years. What's in store for that stock when Worldwide Exchange returns after this? Today's big number, 25%. That's the share of Americans that are delaying retirement due to inflation, according to a survey from the BMO Real Financial Progress Index. More than a third of respondents said they've reduced their savings in order to keep up with growing costs. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, package-less and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the latest. Philip. 
Hi, Dom. Good morning. There's been yet another mass shooting in America. Four people were killed when a gunman opened fire, this time in a hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Police believe the shooter, described as a man between 35 and 40 years old, has also died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was armed with a rifle and a shotgun. Officials believe as many as 10 others were also hurt, but no injuries were considered life-threatening. A major victory in court for actor Johnny Depp. After three days of deliberations, a jury of seven awarded Depp $15 million in his defamation suit against ex-wife Amber Heard. In a statement, Heard said she was heartbroken by the decision. She was also awarded $2 million in damages as part of her countersuit. And finally, the late John Madden is returning to the iconic video game franchise he gave his name to. EA Sports announced that Madden would grace three covers of the Madden NFL 23 video game. It's the first time in 23 years it'll be on the cover. The announcement came on the anniversary of the first Madden football game's release back in 1988. That's it from here, Dom. I'll send it back to you. All right, Philip. Probably one of the video games I most closely associate with in my adolescence. A great, great tribute to John Madden. Thank you very much for those stories. We appreciate it. Still right. to come on the show, mixed messages from J.P. Morgan on the road ahead for the U.S. economy and the stock markets overall. Crossmark's Victoria Fernandez joins us to weigh in. Plus, the Royal Platinum Jubilee is well underway, as you're seeing there. We got a front row seat live in London when Worldwide Exchange returns after this. All right, stocks trying to turn the corner after yet another down day for Wall Street as futures point to some modest gains. Keeping investors on edge, comments from JP Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon on a coming hurricane for the U.S. economy, but not everyone at the bank is all gloom and doom. Plus, Oil making a sharp move lower as one country reportedly says it's ready to step up if Russia oil output falls any further. It's Thursday, June 2nd. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan this morning. It is right around 5.30 a.m. Eastern time. And here's how the markets and your money are looking right now. You can see you are seeing some gains. Modest, albeit, but still, the Dow is implied higher by just about 135 points. The S&P hired by about 20 points, and the Nasdaq higher by 91. So nothing dramatic, but still, maybe the bulls will take it, given the recent market narrative. If you take a look at some of the sectors that matter the most to the market overall, it has to be technology, communication services, and consumer discretionary, because those three sectors house some of the most heavily weighted stocks in the entire market. Now, technology, communication services, and then consumer discretionary over the last month are still down, eh, markedly so for consumer discretionary, due in large part to a big weighting in Tesla. But still, if there is any sign of life, it has been in the last couple of weeks with a little bit of buying stability in those sectors. So something to watch. Also, within that technology trade, there has been some interest over the last week or so in buying the dip in some of the more beaten up parts of the market there. In semiconductors, also in software and cloud computing related stocks, those shares have seen some gains there. Semiconductors notably up about 3% during that span. And then, of course, it's Apple, Microsoft and Alphabet, the parent company of Google. On a year-to-day basis, we are still solidly in negative territory. Apple's down 15 16%, Microsoft down 18 and Alphabet's down 21 But again, some of the bulls are pointing to this move right here. Is it 
just a dead cat bounce, so to speak? Or is it something where you can say, hey, there is some stability in the market and we could actually see a little bit of buying on a leg-in basis, at least, people dollar cost averaging? That remains to be seen. So let's get to some of this morning's now top stories outside of the stock market overall. We'll bring in Silvana Hinal. Silvana. Hey, Dom. All right. Well, the Biden administration forging new economic ties with Taiwan amid growing tensions with China, unveiling a new pact with Taipei to promote bilateral trade in areas like digital trade and clean energy. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo is also launching a separate dialogue with Taiwan to address technology trade and investments, noting the importance of Taiwan as a lead supplier of advanced semiconductors. Taiwan was not invited to join a new economic cooperation pact between the U.S. and a dozen Asia-Pacific nations amid concerns by some participants that it could anger Beijing. Shares of Walmart in focus today as the company prepares for its first annual shareholder event in three years. Among the items top of mind for investors and analysts, the progress of its Amazon Prime-like service, Walmart Plus, how it's grappling with inflation at 40-year highs, and its digital growth, an area that has slowed significantly since the early days of the pandemic. And shares of Nextdoor Holdings surging ahead of the open, the company's board approving a 100 million share repurchase plan through June of 2024, Dom. All right, Silvana Hanau, thank you for those headlines. Oil prices also in focus. They're pulling back ahead of a big meeting by OPEC and other major producers, including Russia, later on today. Sources say OPEC Plus, as it's known, will likely stick to its plan of modest monthly increases in oil output despite tighter global markets. The Financial Times reporting, however, Saudi Arabia is prepared to raise production if Russia's output falls significantly due to sanctions imposed on Moscow for the invasion of Ukraine. The Saudi move would come in response to urging by the United States as gasoline prices here soar, as we all know. Reports say President Biden is leaning towards visiting Saudi Arabia in person later on this month as part of a trip that includes NATO and G7 meetings as well. The White House has officially declined to comment on some of those reports. Let's get more insight on all of this with Amina Bakker. She's the chief OPEC correspondent and Dubai deputy bureau chief for energy intelligence. Amina, these headlines are grabbing a lot of investors right now because some folks are trying to find or call a top in oil prices. Is this possible OPEC action going to do anything to dent what's happening in the oil markets right now? Um, hi, uh, I, I think we've already seen from the FT report alone uh, that prices did drop uh, this morning on uh, just the possibility of, uh, of more supply coming into the market. Now, it's impossible to really predict what will happen because it has to be a unanimous uh, agreement. All members of the OPEC Plus group must agree to whatever action, whether to, to keep the status quo or, in fact, increase production. But just looking at the numbers, just looking at the facts here, the market does need this additional supply. From the JTC report yesterday, which is the technical committee that um, uh, technocrats usually have this meeting ahead uh, of the OPEC Plus ministerial, um, from the report, we saw that stocks were revised downwards. Demand was revised downwards. Uh, and we have we all know that there's an issue with uh, with supply. Prices are going up. 
Demand during the summer period is up. China's coming out of COVID lockdowns. So all of these factors uh, really point to a need for OPEC Plus to add more production. Uh, whether or not uh, the, uh, the the group agrees on this today is something to be seen uh, in, in the coming hours. So, so one of those, we've heard it so many times from, from different experts out there about this kind of old saying in the markets that the best cure for high prices is high prices. Uh, this is something that many producers are struggling with, whether they can take advantage of those prices right now. Is there a sense among some of the oil producing countries within OPEC plus that they would be able to take advantage, generally speaking, of these higher prices by putting more supply on market without having to really hit the price of oil in a meaningful way? Uh, well, there's the point of demand destruction, too. I mean, if you have uh, prices going up to a level where it, it kind of curtails demand, now there, that's the danger. Adding more supply to the market at a season, as, as I mentioned, it's the summer season, it's the driving season in the U.S., at this time might help ga- gauge uh, uh, more demand and, uh, and help these producers uh, really capture value from, from the prices we're seeing. Okay, so if that is the case, then we talk about this in this report that President Biden may, according to some sources, be looking to make this kind of possible meeting with Saudi Arabia at some point down the line. How important is it to the energy markets here in the United States and for some of those gasoline prices that are affecting many of us here domestically in the U.S.? How important is it for President Biden to get some kind of an agreement or deal to get oil back flowing again? Or can the U.S. change its own policies so that we can put more supply on market ourselves? Uh, when it comes to market management and really, uh, I mean, just controlling all the uh, the, uh, the fundamentals here, I believe that all roads lead to Riyadh. Uh, that's where I mean that that's where the decisions uh, are are made, and uh, I mean Saudi Arabia is a heavyweight in the market. So uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've seen uh, reports of U.S. officials going to Riyadh. We've heard positive things about these meetings happening in Riyadh, followed by uh, the the news which you just mentioned that President Biden will indeed be going to Riyadh to uh, to hold further uh, talks. Um, but at the same time, I just want to remind that, I mean, there have been previous requests from the U.S., from Saudi Arabia and the rest of OPEC Plus to increase production. And we haven't seen this happening. Uh, I think for the OPEC Plus group, uh, it has to be a, a decision that's taken within the group. It's not going to be a unilateral uh, decision. And uh it won't really be as, as, as a result of political pressure, uh, per se. It would be just the right time to add supply to the market and would make sense. And just given the factors that I've mentioned now, including the data that we've seen from the JTC report um, on demand forecasts and uh, China coming out of lockdowns, et cetera, uh, perhaps now would be the right time to do this. All right. Amina Bakker with the latest on OPEC Plus and its big meeting. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Now, a day of celebration as Queen Elizabeth II becomes the first British royal to serve for 70 years. Today, kicking off a four-day nationwide party, in essence, celebrating with festivities in London and across the U.K. and the world, for that matter. That's where we find CNBC's Tanya Breyer. Tanya, you've got a front row seat there. Let's take us through what we can expect that party to look like today and in the coming days. 
Dominic, good morning. That's right. I'm very lucky. I've got a fantastic seat here right in front of Buckingham Palace. And it's day one of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations here in London, UK. Four days to celebrate Her Majesty the Queen and her 70-year reign. At 96 years young, there's so much admiration for Her Majesty the Queen. And what's happening now, Dom, we're actually waiting for the royal party to come out of the palace, including Her Majesty. They're going to go down the mall and see the trooping of the colour. After the trooping of the colour, they're held back to Buckingham Palace, where they'll be standing on the famous royal balcony. Her Majesty be, will be there with only the working royals. That does not include Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, or Prince Andrew. What will happen when they're on the balcony, there's going to be a special fly-past from 70 aircraft of the Royal Air Force, the Army, the Red Arrows. And that will be a once-in-a-lifetime spectacle for Her Majesty to celebrate, of course, her 70-year reign. Tomorrow, there's going to be a Thanksgiving service at St Paul's Cathedral, where Meghan and Harry are due to attend, as well as Prince Andrew. And on Saturday, Her Majesty the Queen is expected to go and meet Lilibet, of course, Meghan and Harry's youngest daughter, for her first birthday. And she'll also be meeting Archie as well. And Saturday night, there'll be a party at the palace right here behind me. The stage is set for an amazing concert with artists such as Queen, Nile Rodgers, Diana Ross, all performing for Her Majesty. And right now, Dom, there's an atmosphere, an electric atmosphere, because everyone's waiting for them to come out of the palace just behind me. So, so, Tanya, I mean, some of the some of the initial reports that we've kind of heard have, have spoken about this idea that we could see hundreds, like 500 horses, soldiers, performers, all of that. Uh, there is no party like a British party. We're seeing a lot of that happen right now in front of you. How important is this kind of a celebration marking that kind of a reign? 70 years, seven decades. How important is it for the British public, for the people out there? How big is it for, for, for morale, given the fact that the country, like many of us, have dealt with such trying times over the last couple of years, given the COVID pandemic? Dominic, it is so important. And of course, this is the first time post the pandemic that all the crowds have been allowed to gather in person. It is so important for the British public to actually support the monarchy. There has been controversy over the last few years with Prince Andrew, of course, with Meghan and Harry as well. So Her Majesty is unifying her whole family, getting them all together to celebrate the unprecedented 70-year reign that she has. So you cannot underestimate the importance for the British people and for those around the world, all eyes on the United Kingdom, to actually see this has come out of the pandemic. The last few years have been so difficult for, of course, everyone around the world. And this celebration is showing that people 
can actually come and celebrate together. And Dominic, just as I'm talking to you, they are playing God Save the Queen, the national anthem. And just behind me, we are seeing the open carriages, Dominic, with the royal family just coming through. The start of the royal procession is happening now. And for the thousands of people watching and the billions around the world, this is certainly a very important time in history for the monarchy. All right, Tanya Breyer, CNBC's Tanya Breyer with a front row seat to what you're seeing right now, the Jubilee celebration. And we just saw, like she points out, the royal family coming out there in those carriages. Uh, a very big party for sure. We'll bring you some of these live shots throughout the course of the morning here, right here on CNBC. So keep it right here. Well, coming up on the show, this morning's big money movers, including a win for a retailer in what's been a very rough sector these days. But first, as we head out to break some of your top trending stories, a new forecast predicts China's slowing economy will take a big bite out of the global smartphone market this year. IDC now forecasts worldwide smartphone shipments will decline 3.5% in the full year 2022. The U.S. Postal Service is going electric. It plans to buy at least 10% of EVs as it tries to modernize its delivery truck network. And Amazon is shutting down its Kindle bookstore in China next year, meaning customers there will not be able to purchase new e-books. No word on the reason for that particular move, but still notable as though. Stay tuned. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers, three stock stories of the morning. Stock number one is MongoDB, shares of the database platform provider popping after it beat top and bottom line estimates for its most recent quarter. Those shares are up nearly 9% right now. Stock number two is PVH. Shares are also higher in the pre-market after the parent company of brands like Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein Clothing topped estimates for its most recent quarter. Those shares are up 4% pre-market. And shares of C3AI sinking after the software company issued a disappointing forecast for the year ahead compared to analyst estimates. It's now guiding fiscal first quarter revenues for between 63 and $67 million and full year revenues of around 308 to $316 million. Analysts had been projecting first quarter sales of $71.6 million and full year sales at $334 million. C3AI shares are down 23% in the pre-market trade. Well, coming up on deck, J.P. Morgan boss Jamie Dimon not mincing words at all in a grim outlook for the U.S. economy. But does his bank's top equity strategist disagree with him? That story is coming up next. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. A lot in store for your trading day ahead, as you can see there. First, two reports out this morning. The May ADP private employment report is at 8.15 Eastern time this morning. And the May initial jobless claims at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Then this afternoon, we'll hear from two Fed heads, and incoming Dallas Fed President Lori Logan at noon, and then Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester at 1 o'clock. All of that is followed by Netflix's annual shareholder meeting this evening at 6 o'clock Eastern time. We'll also be looking out for earnings after the bell from Lululemon, CrowdStrike, Okta, RH, amongst others. So a very, very busy day coming up today on this Thursday. 
Back to the markets as investors kick off the month on a sour note and some mixed messages from one of the country's biggest banks. In a note to clients yesterday, J.P. Morgan strategist Marco Kalanovic says the S&P 500 will likely end the year unchanged as investors have already, quote, absorbed and priced in aggressive policy changes from the Federal Reserve. Kalanovic adding, quote, we remain positive on risky assets due to near record low positioning, bear sentiment, and our view that there will be no recession given supports from U.S. consumers, global post-COVID reopenings, and China's stimulus and recovery. Kalanovic comments come in the face of contradicting comments from his own CEO, Jamie Dimon, that investors should brace themselves for an economic hurricane. So joining me now on this debate is Victoria Fernandez, chief market strategist at Crossmark Global Investments. Victoria, who's got it right? Is it Jamie Dimon saying that the economic hurricane is on the horizon or is it Marco Kalanovic who says, hey, things are generally pretty good? Hey, Dom, well, look, I never want to go against Jamie Dimon when it comes to these things, but I do think Marco is probably a little bit more, we're more in his camp than we are in Jamie Dimon's at this point. I don't deny that we've got a lot of volatility coming, and, and we know that's going to be there because you talked about it earlier in the show. There is so much uncertainty right now in regards to exactly what the Fed path is going to be. Are we going to get a soft landing? What are earnings going to look like? But at the same time, you're looking at an economy that has a really strong labor market, house balance sheets look good. Corporate balance sheets, even though we've seen margin compression, corporate balance sheets still look good as well. You typically don't have a recession when these factors are in play. So we don't see a recession, just like Marco said, in 2022. Second half of next year, as some of these changes from the Fed start to work their way through the economy with a lag, perhaps that's more of a probability. But right now, we think we see more volatility, perhaps a little slowdown, but not a recession. So if that's the case, if it's a slowdown, some volatility, does that mean that folks should still be out there buying dips in this market? So we do like looking at opportunities when we see them in the market. And we're not saying every time there's a pullback, go all in. But we do think you need to be opportunistic in this market. Find names within the sectors that have pulled back, that have strong balance sheets, that have quality earnings. That's what we're doing. We're picking up a few names here and there in different sectors. I think that's the way you want to manage your portfolio. We're still fully invested. We had a a client call yesterday and everyone said, what do we do with cash? We think you use these opportunities to go in and spend a little bit of your cash. All right. So, I mean, you're kind of leading me into this next question Then you're setting me up. Right. So what's on the shopping list? What what are those stocks that fit fit all those criteria you, you, you just mentioned? Yeah, so some of them, C.H. Robinson, for one, when you look at the transportation company, obviously with supply chain issues, that's been a name that we've really liked. They see continued margin expansion in their largest sector, which is ground transportation and trucking. So we like that name. You look at a name like CVS, a lot of people thought of it as kind of a COVID play with more people going there um, for COVID reasons, but they had growth across all their sectors. They're beating um, their industry peers. You've got a dividend, a little bit over 2% on a dividend. They've got buybacks coming. They raise that dividend. So I think, again, strong names there. And you know we like financials, but if you don't want to look at banks, look at a name like MetLife. It's a name that we've added to recently. Again, they've got strong balance sheets. The cash flow at MetLife is really good. A lot of that having to do with the Versant Health. They're now the third largest vision care provider, and that's a very capital light business. So cash flow is looking good there. 
that should help in volatile markets. All right, C.H. Robinson, MetLife and CVS Health, the top picks from Victoria Fernandez. Thank you very much, Victoria. Always great to get your thoughts. We'll see you soon. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Markets right now are pointing to modest gains at the opening bell. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.